0: Do you like what you're hearing? Help us celebrate our one-year anniversary.
1: You have until November 13, 2018 to leave us a written review along with a star rating. Then shoot an email to contact at sparkjoypodcast.com
0: with your username for a chance to win a copy of Spark Joy signed by Marie Kondo.
1: You can visit sparkjoypodcast.com forward slash iTunes for more details. And now, on to the show.
2: Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the KonMari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified KonMari consultants, Kristen Ivy and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show.
0: Once you've tidied your home, you have the space both physically and emotionally to explore other areas of your life that spark joy. One of those pillars is health and wellness. Beyond the home, there is health. And beyond conventional health practices, there are alternatives that focus on holistic wellness and preventative care. Today, we're going to turn our attention to homeopathy to further explore the intersection between health and home. Our guest, Frank Malignano, has worked extensively in the mental health field as a homeopath, biofeedback specialist, and Reiki master. He facilitates a deep connection to well being, integrating unresolved trauma, and through his practice, supports individuals in moving from contraction to expansion and from limitation to freedom. Welcome to Spark Joy, Frank. Thanks for having me.
1: Welcome to Spark Joy. So let's start with your story and your journey to homeopathy. How did you become acquainted with this particular type of alternative medicine?
3: Well, not unlike many of your listeners, I'm sure. I grew up in a household where we all relied on conventional medical practices if anyone became sick or had a cold. So it wasn't until my late teenage years where my father actually became a little bit more interested in nutrition that really started to inspire me, but Even prior to that, I had taken an interest in accepting that there are alternative medical practices that can support people in getting better. When I went to college, I decided I would become and study osteopathic medicine, which is the study of bones and very similar to chiropractic medicine, where they do manipulations except they can also prescribe medication. So this was about 10 years ago where the field was very different and many osteopaths had just kind of used their MD as a way of just prescribing medication. So they hadn't really settled into their alternative practice as they have today. There's a common misunderstanding around what homeopathy truly is. The word kind of denotes home remedy, so they think maybe homeopathy means a ginger tea or a tincture or a poultice or herbs. While homeopathic remedies are all natural, it is a very unique system of alternative and holistic medicine. So it was this perfect accident, so to speak, where uh, I looked into what homeopathy was and it resonated so deeply with me. And uh, I found a school nearby and I decided to leave college after two years and study homeopathy for four
1: Frank, how do you become credentialed as a homeopathic practitioner?
3: In the US, the credentialing process is unique. It's different from everywhere else in the world, in European countries, in India as well. You become a doctor of homeopathic medicine, it's an MD with a homeopathic credential. Here, There is a certification process and several national certifying bodies. There's the North American Society of Homeopaths, as well as the Council for homeopathic certification. And the requirement is a specific number of classroom hours, a specific number of clinic hours, as well as supervised and unsupervised and cured cases, and the successful passing of their exam as well. I didn't have any experience with homeopathic medicine myself until I began studying it. I learned that I could rely and trust this form of medicine once I contracted Lyme disease. And at the time, I didn't have medical insurance, so I had to put it to the test. I realized that if I couldn't get better and feel my best through using this alternative medicine, then you know what business do I have encouraging other people to take a leap of faith or shift their paradigm and try something that's a little bit more unconventional?
0: I'm curious about your treatment of Lyme disease. I have a a very limited knowledge base on it. I recently watched a documentary about Lyme disease, and it seems like something that is hard to treat conventionally or alternatively. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that journey and how homeopathy helped you get healthy.
3: Absolutely. When I began studying homeopathy, it was only after several classes that something spontaneous happened to my health. And you're right, Lyme disease is in a way kind of mysterious. It's called the masquerader. It can look like a number of other diseases because it presents in such broad symptoms and it can be something as low grade as anxiety or a little bit of arthritic feeling. It can be generalized, it can be very specific and it doesn't always manifest immediately following a tick bite. It can be years later even. So it's very difficult to diagnose, and our tests, they present a lot of false positives and don't always show exactly what is occurring there. So because homeopathy is a part of this holistic model, and it's not targeting a disease or a specific system, and it looks at the entirety of your subjective and objective experience— It didn't matter if I had a label to it. Uh, It only mattered what my experience of it was. And it wasn't until a year into homeopathic treatment that I later discovered that it was Lyme disease. Interestingly enough, I was working for a Lyme disease specialist in New Jersey at the same time I was studying homeopathy, so it felt somehow coincidental, and so I confirmed through testing with this very well-known Lyme literate practitioner that it was in fact Lyme disease. Lyme disease is definitely a journey, as many chronic conditions can be. but. If I didn't start with homeopathic treatment or anywhere along the way, I don't think I would have made the progress that I did. And I don't think it would be in, in a state of remission that it is now.
1: I know that alternative medicine has been around as long as probably people have been around, although you know, it wasn't always considered an alternative. For a long time, it was the only kind of medicine there was. But I'm curious about how the current modern form of homeopathy came about, How did that practice begin and when was it invented or born or came to be as we know it today?
3: It actually came out of Germany in the late 1700s by a physician, Dr. Samuel Hahnemann. He was a physician at the time, and we know from that time period, the early 1800s, that medical practice was still pretty barbaric. They still used techniques like bloodletting, toxic metals, and even leeches sanitary practices were still pretty new so he was maybe ahead of his time there and, and realized he didn't want to do any harm uh, or any more harm to his patients and saw a trend you know people weren't getting as well as they should and over time their health was declining so he voluntarily retired his practice so he was quite disillusioned, and he had 11 children that he still had to uh, support And he knew seven languages. So in the meantime, he translated medical texts. So this kind of formed a backbone of the philosophy of homeopathy. The influence that inspired him from different philosophical texts that he read, different alternative practices like Ayurvedic, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, these all kind of encouraged him to forge a new practice, which he later called homeopathy. And it really became popular during the 1800s, during all of these epidemics like the cholera epidemic or the scarlet fever or typhus, where the mortality rate under conventional care was roughly 60%, but under homeopathic care, it was only 9%. So there was this drastic difference, and there was such a surgence behind this new form of medicine.
0: I love this idea around treating the cause versus the symptom. It reminds me a little bit of Konmari, actually, where instead of just jumping in and trying to tidy whatever is kind of on fire, so to speak, we really take the time to figure out what's the source of the clutter and what's the source of the consumption pattern that's causing a massive amount of things to be in the space in an overwhelming way. Can you tell us a little bit about why it's important to place our attention on treating the cause and not the symptom when it comes to homeopathy?
3: I think we can look at our health, we can look at symptoms or a condition or disease like a tree. So for each branch is a unique expression, sign or symptom, however you want to look at it. For as big as the branches are, so too the roots are deep. If you prune back one of the branches, it's not treating the whole our experience is all connected. And the conventional medical approach likes to take more of a, a two-dimensional look at health, where you see a different specialist for each condition or each symptom even. So you may not actually be getting better in a holistic, more robust way. You're just kind of pruning you're really just managing your symptoms, and it may only be temporary. The way the holistic model or homeopathy looks at it is that everything is connected, and even though it may seem unrelated, they're part of a greater whole. When a skilled practitioner tunes in, it conveys how balance and health can really be restored. So this is about cultivating and reclaiming wellness. It's really using the approach that we can expand our container for wellness. It's not just that disease or unwellness happens to us, but we're in this constant state of growing, contracting, and expanding. So it's not homeostasis. It's really a more dynamic state of health and wellness. When we trace back all of these different branches, you know, as I said, they may seem unrelated if it's conditions like psoriasis or anxiety or seasonal allergies or arthritis. If we take a greater, greater look at them, you may find themes. But from the homeopathic lens, we can find a well-suited, individualized remedy that can really help create balance and start to resolve this on a deeper level so that all of these start to resolve in a more organic way. So it's not targeting one specifically, but the whole.
1: I do see a lot of parallels between homeopathy and KonMari in the sense that in KonMari, we also are looking for, you know, maybe the underlying symptoms or the side effects of behaviors that impact all the other areas of our lives, which is why I think at the end of the tiding process, people start looking at other areas of their lives. Maybe they've been ignoring certain aspects because they've been so focused on the anxiety of having a cluttered, disorganized environment. So I definitely see the parallel there. It's, it's super interesting. And I think that in many different types of philosophies that kind of come up against traditional thinking, that there are probably a lot of myths and misconceptions around homeopathy, just like there are in Kanmai. In fact, we dedicated an entire episode of Spark Joy Podcast, episode 25, to myths and misperceptions in Kanmai. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those same kinds of misperceptions or misinterpretations maybe that you have seen in homeopathy as well?
3: Yeah, there's a surprising number of them in homeopathy. The ones that really come to mind are that while homeopathy is a you know, natural-based holistic practice, we use what we call ultra-dilute micro doses of natural substances. Now, that term can sound convoluted. It makes you wonder what could that possibly mean. Essentially, what it looks like is taking the active substance and it's almost like putting it in a huge, vast amount of water and taking one drop out of that and putting them on what we call our carrier pellets, which are simply little sugar pellets. So people typically associate that with The placebo effect. So they believe that because they are so dilute, that there is actually no active substance. But the truth behind that is, as shown in all of the research and clinical studies and trials that we have, which is another misconception that there is no research. I'm actually on the research committee for the National Center for Homeopathy. So I have the privilege of digging through a lot of different databases, and to bring these articles out into the forefront into the public eye. So, we know that it's not placebo.
1: Are there any risks involved with this type of treatment?
3: The short answer to that question is no. Under the hands of a skilled practitioner, there are no risks involved. The longer answer is it depends. And it depends simply because of the culture that we are in right now, this DIY kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. And You run the risk of assuming that because it's natural, because it's available over the counter at a health food store, or because the representative said this might be good for my cold, that there is no foreseeable consequence. Someone that hasn't studied homeopathy may not be able to perceive the subtle change in the symptoms to tell you whether or not things are improving or getting worse or no change at all. I do have one little example uh, from my first year of study. My sister, actually, she she came to me with a toothache through taking her case at the time. We realized she really needed a root canal. It was a really bad infection. And I gave her the lowest potency possible. I just thought, you know what, she was willing enough to let me try and practice on her. I gave her the lowest potency I could possibly find. I knew she might be pretty sensitive. And she came back in an hour. She said, I don't know what you gave me. It worked. I feel completely better. Whereas an hour or two before, she had been taking painkillers and nothing was working. So I thought, great. You know, a little bit more is better. At least that's still the mindset I had. That's not the mindset in the homeopathic paradigm. Less is more. So I gave her another dose. And later on, she told me that she had such a negative reaction to it, she ended up throwing up for the rest of the night. Mm. Uh, so it was quite a violent reaction to purging all of those toxins built up in her system from that infection. Ultimately, she got better and she avoided a root canal at least for several months. That's an extreme example. But There are real risks involved, and it's always good if there's any uncertainty to consult a professional.
0: Wow, thanks for clarifying that. I think that's a very important point to share. And I'm also curious if there are unique situations where more conventional approaches is kind of the better direction than homeopathy?
3: Personally, I believe that conventional medicine is absolutely great for emergencies, Or urgent care. But that's going to differ from person to person. Somebody may feel the flu is maybe an emergency. You know, another person may feel a simple stomach ache. There's kind of a general malaise or or something that they can't quite place. And we kind of grew up in a culture where we need a label. And if we don't have that, it can really trigger that sense of unease and, and panic. So it does take a little bit of a paradigm shift. But If you seek a professional alternative practitioner, they can typically help you know when the right moment is to uh, refer out to seek conventional care. And oftentimes you can do both simultaneously. They don't contradict each other Mm -hmm. and can work in a cohesive way.
0: Yeah, the prevention side of homeopathy is really intriguing to me. There seems to be opportunity to really optimize our health from that direction. For example, I'm really curious about if there are homeopathy practices that we can apply to or within our home environment to keep us healthier in our space through a more preventative lens.
3: That's a great question. And I think having a first aid kit at home is a great thing everyone should have alongside their band-aids neosporin hydrogen peroxide some homeopathic remedies that could be used with a certain amount of safety and and versatility so there's several well-known remedies that some of your listeners may have heard of like arnica which is excellent for bumps and bruises it can even be good for sprains or if you wake up with a sore neck that's a great remedy calendula is also a really great homeopathic remedy. Some people may know this in the form of a cream, but it can also be made into a homeopathic cream, uh, which is great for burns or minor scrapes. And this can maybe take the place of neosporin. And it's great. I actually use this when I accidentally poured some boiling water on my hand and I quickly used my calendula cream every day. And instead of bubbling up and becoming this painful blister, it remained flat and the skin darkened like a sunburn and hmm. it flaked off and it was painless. Another remedy that's great to have in the home is Apis or Staphysagria. I know these all sound kind of funny. They sound like this because they're the Latin names of the substance themselves that they're made from. Those two remedies, apis and staphisagria, are excellent for bug bites or bee stings. Another one that I would say to have on hand, especially if you're a hiker, would be tox. That is excellent for poison ivy. Hmm.
0: My nickname
1: <laughs> in <the> middle school. <laughs> I'm really wondering if someone is interested in learning about applying homeopathy to their own health and well being, how would they get started? How would they find a practitioner, know whether or not they're a good candidate, all those kinds of things?
3: That's a great question. There are several resources available online to find various homeopathic practitioners in your area. On the CHC Council for Homeopathic Certification website, there's a directory. There is also a practitioner directory on the National Center for Homeopathy, as well as the North American Society of Homeopaths. All of these have directories for what certified and credentialed homeopaths are out there in your area. I think we all have a moment along our our wellness or healing journey where we start to question our results whether it is with a conventional practitioner or with alternative or holistic practitioners. So I don't think it's all that uncommon to shift gears and think about, is there a better alternative? And just in general, does that mean a different practitioner of of homeopathy or a different practitioner of conventional medicine? So I think it really has a lot to do with finding the right practice, but also the right practitioner. If you feel like you're kind of stuck in a rut or if there's parts of your life that there's patterns that you're having a hard time breaking mentally, emotionally or physically, that makes you an excellent candidate for homeopathic care. What really was the impetus for me seeing my homeopath was my seasonal allergies. As I said at the top of the podcast that I was in treatment for Lyme disease, the first thing I, I opened up with was my unbearable seasonal allergies. And we know the care around that with conventional treatment isn't really all that great. It's a lot of sinus sprays or, you know, over-the-counter drugs that only manage it for the time being. I don't think we should settle our idea of what wellness Is. I think we should all aim for a curative response. So, using allergies as an example, experiencing less symptoms or less intense symptoms each year, and eventually no more symptoms at all. It's not just limited to physical ailments. We can also look at this in terms of anxiety or panic disorders or trauma or other psychological conditions where we still haven't quite found balance there are certain triggers that are very sensitive to us with homeopathic treatment some of these things start to kind of fall into balance and you start to find that the things that once upset you no longer do and maybe you don't have those same peaks and valleys or maybe those periods of aggression or rage are a lot softer so that weight kind of just starts to evaporate a little bit more over time so In my own personal journey, it's always come from a place of not wanting to take medication for a long period of time or throughout my entire life. The homeopathic model really honors and respects the body and mind in a way that there is an inherent state of balance that we can all come back to.
1: Frank, what is your favorite health-related tip?
3: Let's see... My favorite health-related tip may not even be specifically about homeopathy. Oh, okay. (laughs) I would say my favorite health-related tip would be more about minimizing the amount of sugar in our diets. It's in everything. You have to look closely at it. If that's something you can cut out, you would be surprised. I think that can really create a lot more mental clarity for us and can clear up some physical conditions as well. And drinking a lot more water. I think we all kind of run a little bit too much on caffeine and dehydration.
0: I love water, but I'm still working on the sugar part. (laughs) So, (laughs) So I have a little bit more work to do, but this was very inspiring. I would love to know at this very moment, what sparks the most joy for you, Frank?
3: I'm inclined to say homeopathy because it is such an exciting practice to me. So maybe I will. I will say it. It's something that I take such pride and joy in, and I I love contributing as much energy as I possibly can to it. It's also kind of encouraged me to be a part of a a greater community. I have two beloved friends who are also holistic practitioners. One is a flower essence practitioner and is an acupuncturist. And we all came together and formed Chi-Cago. We are an alternative health collaborative once a month or so we we have a health pop-up and right now we're partnering with Howard Brown to give workshops and inspire the community into different wellness techniques, cultivate better habits.
0: Awesome. And do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners
3: in this climate and culture right now? We can access alternative care and tips On Google, or if you go to your health food store, or just via our community. You know, everyone is encouraging us to to try different things or try something that's worked for them. Keep an open mind, but have a healthy amount of discernment. Know that what worked for somebody else may not work for you, especially when it comes to alternative care. A lot of these practices, especially homeopathy, is very individualized. And so a remedy that worked for me most likely won't work for you. And I don't want that to discourage you from seeking out a homeopathic practitioner or thinking that homeopathy doesn't work for you. It's best if there is any hesitation or it's not something simple, like in the tips I mentioned earlier, like bumps or bruises or minor cuts or burns, then it may be best to see a professional.
0: That is a great point and a great way to close today keeping an open mind, as you mentioned, so important and recognizing that what works for someone else doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work for you. Thank you so much for helping us, Frank, demystify homeopathy once and for
3: all. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you, Frank. That was great. To connect with Frank, head over to thehealingnarrative.com and find him on Facebook and Instagram at The Healing Narrative exclusively for our spark joy listeners you can access frank's cold and flu homeopathic remedy chart which is linked in our show notes frank is also offering a 25 percent discount off of his initial two-hour consultation be sure to contact frank at the healing narrative at gmail.com and reference that you heard him on a spark joy podcast
0: so now we want to hear from you Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how KonMari has impacted your life.
1: You can find us at sparkjoypodcast.com and click Ask Spark Joy to leave a question or comment for a chance to be featured on next week's show.
0: While you're there, sign up to join our Spark Joy podcast community and get notified when each episode airs.
1: You can also join the Spark Joy podcast community on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the handle at sparkjoypodcast.
0: Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy.
2: Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your host, Kristen Ivey, of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago, and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Conmari Media Incorporated. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Conmari Media Incorporated or the Conmari consultant community.